0: Gracious and holy God, we enter into your sacred space and your presence with great anticipation. May the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So it was March 16th of this year when uh, John Tay Lee's life turned upside down. He is a teacher in the Washington, D.C. school district, and that was the day that all children were sent home and the school buildings themselves were locked down. So John T., like a lot of teachers, began to be creative in the way that they brought their lessons to their students, and he turned his kitchen into a chemistry lab and he made science he had scientific experiments using glass bowls and glasses from his own cabinet and pots and pans and and all kinds of wonderful things you might have seen his story on good morning america or many other places that he has been profiled over the last few days you see mr lee teaches in a community, Washington, D.C., where only 65% of those who enter high school actually graduate high school. And of those 65%, only 55% end up going to uh, continuing education of some sort in college or vocational tech uh, programs. And part of the reason for those 55 that go on to college is because of Mr. Lee. Many of them will tell you that. School was difficult for Mr. Lee, when he grew up. He came from a home that often was troubled, and so school represented a place where he could go and be safe, and yet it was not always easy for him. There was not a lot of support at home, and also he found himself uh, um, struggling with reading and writing and arithmetic, and yet it was due to the encouragement of those teachers that surrounded him and gave him a safe place to be that he was able to go on, complete high school, and then college, and turn around and give it back to other students today. He pays it forward. He pays it forward by encouraging his own students to step outside of their comfort zone, those comfort zones that might be limited by their own personality. Maybe they're kind of shy and quiet, or maybe it's limited by the circumstances of their life. Either way, he encourages them to step boldly into what they are called to do and be in the community and to live into that. He says that he watches out for the one who cries with those silent tears because he knows those silent tears himself so well. And it's those very people that he tucks under his wing and that he mentors all the way through school. He is indeed an unsung hero, as are many teachers, especially during this time of COVID-19. We appreciate all of them so much. We are wrapping up our series on unsung heroes today, and Mr. Lee is one of those in our community that, uh, despite the circumstances, has encouraged the next generation to go boldly into the world and to make a difference in the community. In our biblical narrative this morning, our unsung hero uh, is those who support a man named Apollos. Apollos is an eloquent man. He is a man that is well-educated and can can, uh, speak with the best of them. It tell, the, the narrative tells us that he was learned, he was polished, he was faithful, and he was influential, but it seemed that he didn't have everything. There was something missing in his message. And so it is uh, Priscilla and Aquila who step up to the task. They take him under their wing, and they help him bridge that gap. Luke introduces us to Pr- uh, Priscilla and Aquila's uh, message and their story in the 18th chapter of, Luke, of Acts, I'm sorry. And I'm going to read today this story that is found beginning at the 24th chapter, 24th verse going through uh, verse 28. Listen now for God's word as he introduces Apollos, Aquila, and Priscilla. Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and they explained the way of God to him more accurately. And when he wished to come over, cross over to Arcadia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who, through the grace, had become believers. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. This is the word of God for God's people. Thanks be to God. So, um Apollos is this guy who has every characteristic of being a well-educated um community orator. Back in Alexandria during the day, these people learned long hours under the under the uh, tutelage of other orators in the community and they would go out into the public spaces and they would speak quite eloquently, quite influentially, as you might hear a trial lawyer speak today. They were very precise in their re- rhetoric his uh, area of expertise we are told is uh, is the Hebrew Scriptures. He brought them to life. He taught them with accuracy and precision. He taught the teachings of Jesus, we are also told. This this man that traveled around Judea that that came to fulfill the Hebrew Scriptures. But yet there is something that he missed in that understanding of who Jesus was. And so it's Priscilla and Aquila who are tasked with bridging that gap. Now, Priscilla and Aquila are a couple that lived in Rome originally, and in around the 40s AD, Claudius became the emperor of Rome and got fed up with the uh, tension between the Jews and these Jesus followers and all that they brought into the community. And so he kicked them all out he said get out of here all you jews all of you jesus followers get out of rome i'm tired of your shenanigans and so they left and they found themselves this couple priscilla and aquila in ephesus also a large cosmopolitan city on the uh, sea of the, of the mediterranean sea on the coastline there it was a uh, A place where culture was thick and rich, all kinds of culture from many different people who would travel through, where the tolerance for religious differences were amazing and lively, a place where they could find a voice to share the story of what Jesus had come to mean to them. In this very city, they met a man named Paul, and Paul took them under his wing and taught them more intently about The fulfillment of the scriptures through this man named Jesus. And so that's what they did. We're not told exactly what Apollos' theology was wrong and how it was wrong. We're only told that he was baptized, he was only familiar with the baptism of John. So one scholar suggests that perhaps what he knew is about the teachings of Jesus up until the time that John was martyred, and maybe he didn't know about the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Or perhaps what he was not familiar with was this thing called the Holy Spirit, because the whole entire book of Acts is built on the Pentecostal event that happens in the first chapter. This time when the Holy Spirit literally empowers the people to understand exactly who the Christ is. Either way, we know that what he taught was accurate, but most likely it was incomplete. What the NSRV that I read says that they explained the way of God more accurately, but the NIV says it this way. They explained the way of God more adequately. So perhaps his understanding, his experience of this Jesus the Christ was not yet complete. You see, friends, our faith formation is about an experience. It is also about those things that we learn, but experience is so important, especially as our faith is forming. We What we learn enriches this formation, but it is the experiences in Jesus Christ through the love and the acceptance and the fellowship of one another that absolutely brings this faith experience alive. It makes it real, it makes it authentic, and it makes it believable. John Wesley says it this way. He says, at the core of our Christian faith, we find Scripture. It is revealed in Scripture. Apollos had Scripture. He knew the Scriptures inside and out. John Wesley says that this Scripture is illumined by tradition, the teachings of the church, the teachings of the community around us. Apollos had been instructed in the ways of Jesus Christ. Uh, John Wesley also says that this Scripture is confirmed by reason. Apollos had reason. He had all the characteristics that made him a good orator, a good public speaker. He could influence and convince all who listened to him. But John Wesley also says that this Scripture that we know is sharpened in our faith and becomes real, by experience. And perhaps that is what uh, Apollos lacked. Through the witness of Priscilla and Aquila, they gave Apollos a new set of eyes to see these same scriptures in a new and fresh way to experience them as Jesus taught them, saying, You have heard it was said, but I tell you this, Perhaps what they did was inform him of what the living truth was about these scriptures that were so important to him, the living truth that was, in fact, Jesus the Christ. And born within him came a new experience of these scriptures that meant so much to him. Born within him came a new witness. Because we are told that Apollos leaves Ephesus and goes to Corinth, and there he is able to convert and convince many people that Jesus was the Christ. That indeed this Messiah that is told about in the Hebrew Scriptures is in fact Jesus, he is Emmanuel, God with us. No matter what happened, To Apollos, the result is that he was transformed and that that transformation impacted the lives of so many as he became a central character at the church of Corinth. Friends, here's what I see about the way that Priscilla and Aquila meet Apollos. First, they meet him. They get to know him. They understand him, they listen to him, they hear what he has to say, and then they give him some more information, perhaps the rest of the story. They help him think more deeply about what he already knows. And then, more importantly, they encourage him. They encourage him to live out this faith that is budding within his very soul and he becomes a powerful witness in the Christian movement. I see that as the same role of our Christian teachers today. I know for my own self that my seminary professors and my Sunday school teachers and pastors before them first came to know me. That's how they were able to make an impact upon me. They taught me new information about the scriptures and about doctrine that perhaps I didn't know. And, and if it was something I already knew, they challenged me to think about it more deeply so that it became a part of me. And The most important thing they did was encourage me. They encouraged me to live out my faith so that that faith could actually take root and grow into something fundamentally good in the world. So I come back to Susan and Marcia. I know, Karen, you know these, these ladies. They have been teaching children Sunday school for over 30 years in, in uh, Jacksboro. They started when their youngest child was born. Their babies were born, and they took the job of teaching Sunday school. So I said, I'm going to ask them, what is it that drove you to say yes to teach Sunday school? And then tell me what you love the most about Sunday school, and then tell me why you stuck with it for 30 years. And so here's what they shared with me this week. They said they both enjoy the connection with the kids and and that they have learned as much as the kids have over the years. I think all of us who have taught anything understand that statement. Marcia shares with us that it's the three to six-year-olds that she loves the most. She says their eyes literally light up when they hear about the mystery of God, right? And how these stories are important even in their own lives, and they soak up every single detail. Susan admits that when she came to teach, It was not because she knew so much. In fact, she did not grow up in the church, and so part of her wanting to teach the children is that she could learn right along with them. She now teaches junior high and loves it, and I give her a star in her crown for teaching junior high, a challenging age at times. One of Marcia's favorite memories is when uh, their two sons, which were born when they began to teach, were graduating from high school 18 years later. She gave uh, the children's sermon that day, and she was telling these three- and four- and five-year-olds that these these seniors in high school over here that sat on the front row of the pew, um, that they had been in Sunday school together since they were three and four years old. That they had learned together, that they had come to know Jesus together and how important that was in their lives. So these are beautiful witnesses of what it means to share and be that unsung hero called a Sunday school teacher. But I thought it would be even more important if I heard the witness of what they did in the lives of those they taught. And so I reached out to four of their students, now young adults, and this is what they shared with me about the the commitment and uh, the teaching of these two amazing women. Camlyn is now a junior at Texas Tech University, and she says, They are the ones who sparked my interest and in my relationship with God. They are a true testament of what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ. And then there's Ashley. Ashley is a smart young woman and completed college in three years. She said, I always remember those Sundays and how much fun we had learning more about our faith. But I most especially remember how it formed my own position within our faith. And then Hoyt, a sophomore at OSU and so very proud of it. He says, apart from singing the books of the Bible song every time I have to look something up in the Bible, he said it was just about them taking time to talk with us. Just talk with us about God. To have conversation with us so that we truly understand what the Scriptures mean, what the story is telling us. He goes on to say, they deeply cared for us and still do. To this day. And Wesley, he will soon graduate and become an ag teacher somewhere in in our surrounding communities. And he reflects on how much time and effort each of those women put into their Sunday school lesson week after week after week, along with all the other things they did in the community. And he says, looking back, I am so thankful that they were dedicated. Because it has made everyone in this message string, in this text string, active young people in the church. Now that's a witness. Active young people in the life of the church. Friends, we can make a difference in the life of the children, our children or our teenagers. We can make a difference whether they are groomed to become an Apollos, or whether they're groomed to become a teacher, or whether they're groomed by God to become a wonderful, kind, and giving person in life. You can be that person who inspires them to walk closer with Jesus. You can be that person who is an unsung hero that inspires the next generation to share the light of Jesus Christ with everyone they meet. And if ever there was a time in which we need to be active in the life of our young children, it is today. It is more critical than it has ever been. So my challenge is for each of us to to pray on this to find a way that God is calling us into being that person that influences, that inspires the next generation, however that manifests itself. If God sends you the vision of a child, then I I invite you to give a call to Aaliyah Who is, who is now doing children's ministry here at our Decatur Methodist family. She will find you a spot, whether it's one Sunday, two Sundays, or four Sundays a month. She will find you a spot in which you can serve out that time. Or if, or if during your prayer you see the face of a teenager, I invite you to give Patrick a call and say, put me in, coach. He'll find a place that you can serve and lead this next generation to understand and come to love God. Because our unsung heroes are those who inspire the next generation of Christians, and the time has never been so urgent as it is today. Thanks be to God. Amen.